Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. He asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your minds not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any wish to come after me, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in glory, in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. This is, of course, Lent. And Lent, as we all know, is a time of preparation and reflection. Now, today's gospel lesson calls on us, I think, to reflect on a series of questions. The first question is this, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Now, at this point, I've got a little confession to make. The gospel lesson that I just read isn't exactly the gospel lesson that the lectionary calls for. You see, if you notice in your, in your bulletins, the first four verses are set off in brackets. That's because I added them. And I added them because this whole scene doesn't make all the sense it should make without those verses. Because when we start out, here's what's going on. Jesus is with disciples. He says, who do people say that I am? And they answer. And then Jesus says, who do you say I am? And Peter, for once, Peter gets it right. Peter says, you are the Messiah. And Jesus says, yeah. He doesn't say anything. He says, don't tell anybody. But yeah, that's right. So let's freeze right there. At this moment in time, how's everybody doing? They're doing great. The, 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 the Peter has just confirmed, Jesus has just confirmed what they've been wondering. He's the Messiah. And so you know these disciples at this moment are feeling kind of kind of good. I mean, they're maybe struggling a little bit. 
This guy, Jesus, he's my man. He's the Messiah. I'm one who's with him. Look at me. I'm with the Messiah. And then, as a friend of mine from Jasper would say, faster than a scalded dog can run around a house, everything flips. Everything reverses. And suddenly we see Jesus looking at Peter and say, get behind me, Satan. What's going on here? Why this sudden change? Well, it has to do with these notions of suffering and dying, or more particularly, suffering and dying on the part of the Messiah. You see, for Peter and all the disciples, in all of the Hebrews, all of their life they had been taught who the Messiah would be. And for generations and generations, going back almost a thousand years, they had been taught that the Messiah would be this charismatic military leader who would come and marshal all the forces of Israel and drive out all of the Hebrews' enemies, which means in the first century, drive out Rome. So the Messiah can't die. That's... that's for Peter and his friends and all Jews, that's just unfathomable. And then also, Peter says, and also he's going to be persecuted by the chief priests and the scribes. Well, no, no, the Messiah is supposed to work with the chief priests and the scribes. So you can see both Peter and all the other disciples, they're befuddled, they're confused. What's going on here? Which makes you wonder, if their confusion is understandable, why did Jesus, why did Jesus react so sternly, so strongly? And make no mistake about it, Peter got the brunt of it because Peter was the one who had the courage to speak. Why was Jesus so stern? Well, I'm going to suggest that he really wasn't that stern at all if we, if we, deep, if we deep, deep dive into it. Now, he calls Peter Satan. I get that. So let's pause and let's talk about that for a second. I, I don't believe that there is a divine or semi-divine being out there that lurks in the shadows waiting to pounce on us. Satan, instead of that, Satan takes many forms. Satan is anything or anyone that tends to drive a wedge between us and God, that tends to drive a wedge between us and God's plans for us. And when we view this notion of Satan through that lens, we can see at that moment in time, Peter perfectly fits that definition. Now, Peter wasn't intending to. He didn't know what he was saying. But by his words, his words were tending to try to drive a wedge between Jesus and God's plans for Jesus. And then when he says, get behind me, think about what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, Peter, you're dead to me. Leave, be, go away. You're, you're hereby expelled from this group of disciples. I never want to see you again. No, he said, stay here with me, but, but get behind me. Get in line behind me. I am your leader. Get behind me and support me as we move forward. And then... Jesus begins to talk about picking up the cross. And that brings to mind this question of, 
What does it mean to follow Jesus? 2,000 years on, you know what? I think a better question is, what's so tough about following Jesus? I began to think about it, and I realized that for all of my life, and there's a pretty big number there now, for all my life, virtually everybody I've encountered, virtually everybody I've known, has identified as a Christian. And the handful of people who I've encountered who were not Christian, they weren't particularly mean to me, and certainly nobody has tried to persecute me. All of us can come into this church any Sunday morning. We can come in here, we can sit in the pews, and we can sing the hymns, and we can pray the prayers. We can take communion. We can put bumper stickers on our car. So what's so hard about following Jesus? Well, the problem, the rub here is that Jesus' words have lost their bite in the last 2,000 years. When Jesus says, pick up the cross, he, of course, is invoking an image of crucifixion. But we have taken, we have taken that phrase Jesus uses, we twisted a little bit, changed a little bit, and, and we now use it as a throwaway phrase. Oh, that boss of mine, he is my cross to bear. I can't lose these last 10 pounds. No matter what I do, it's my cross to bear. That sister-in-law of mine, she is my cross to bear. Now, as an aside, I've never uttered those last words. <laughs> Both Darla's sister and my brother's wife are delightful women, and I love them dearly. But you get the point I'm making. We use this term as a throwaway term. But when Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me, it was like a gut punch to the people who were standing there, the disciples and the crowds. You see, for them, crucifixion wasn't something they'd heard about, something they'd read about. For them, it was something each and every one of them had experienced. They had experienced in the sense of seeing men hanging on a cross in agony. They had experienced in the sense of hearing the cries of these anguished men. And, and this was not something that they might encounter once every decade or half a dozen years or so. Rome used this as a tool. I don't know how many of y'all remember the movie Spartacus. I have to say, I'm embarrassed to say I remember it because it came out in 1960. Kirk Douglas played the lead role, Spartacus, and it was about a revolt in Italy in just a generation before Jesus in 71 BC. The revolt was quickly squashed by the Roman legions. And for our purposes, the last scene is the most important. In the last scene, the revolt is over. Spartacus has been captured and Spartacus has been crucified. He is hanging on the cross. And his, his wife and their newborn child walk up to him. And the camera's focused on the cross and Spartacus, the, the wife and the child, 
and they say a few words, and she begins to walk away, and the camera pans back a little bit, and you can see half a dozen other crosses. And then it pans back more, and you can see dozens of crosses. And then it pans all the way back, and you're looking down a long, winding road, and for as far as you can see, one after another, either side of the road, crosses with men hanging on them. This is an historically accurate portrayal. At the end of that revolt, the Romans crucified 6,000 men all along the Appian Way, the busiest road in Italy. And they were making a point. You don't mess with Rome. Closer to home for Jesus and his friends, in 6 AD when Jesus was a boy, there was an insurrection in Galilee. You can think of Galilee as, as Houston County. That was Jesus' home county. That's about how big it is. There was an insurrection there. It was immediately put down, and 2,000 men were crucified. And this idea of, of picking up the cross was no euphemism. Part of the horror of this form of execution was that the condemned man had to carry what you and I would call the cross beam, this heavy cross beam, to the place of execution. Now I would say, I said, we would call it a cross beam. You and I now call the vertical and the horizontal beams the cross. But in that day and age, that cross beam was simply known as the cross. So Jesus was saying something to the people who were listening that was staggering. He was saying, if you want to be my follower, you must be willing to endure suffering and even death. So maybe a better question today is, who wants to be a follower of Jesus? Because Jesus is saying to be my follower, you've got to be willing to show courage. You've got to be willing to sacrifice. You've got to be willing to have endurance and face discomfort and pain. I've mentioned from this spot before one other time, the Bishop of Atlanta, his name is Rob Wright. He's an African-American man who is brilliant. He's a charismatic speaker. He's a, he's a deep and brilliant thinker. I've heard Rob speak on occasion. I even had an opportunity to have some one-on-one -on -one conversations with him. And he has a, co a podcast that I listen to regularly. And again, I shared this also, but it's important to hear it again. In one of those podcasts, Wright's talking about Martin Luther King. He said, what set Martin Luther King apart from most people is that King made the decision that he was willing to be inconvenienced by God. Willing to be inconvenienced by God. Which made me wonder, am I really a follower? Am I willing to be inconvenienced? Have there been times when I have been times when I've seen 
racism or some other type of injustice and failed to speak up because it's inconvenient. A follower speaks up. There have been times when I've seen a neighbor who needs help and I haven't reached out my hand because it's inconvenient. A follower helps. There have been times when I put my own financial well-being ahead of those in need because it's inconvenient. A follower puts the needs of others first. My friends, in this day and age, in Dothan, Alabama, in 2024, none of us are going to be persecuted for coming into church. But Jesus is telling us that being a follower is is more than coming to church on Sunday and saying, I love Jesus. What Jesus is telling us is at the very least, to be his follower, we have to be willing to be inconvenienced. So maybe the ultimate question today is this. Maybe Jesus is asking this question. Are we willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of the one who died for us? In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.